As we get ready to celebrate Christmas this weekend, who is in your life that can use an invitation? People that come and they say, because of South Hills, my life now has joy. Because of South Hills, my life now has fulfillment. These are words that are coming and being shared with our staff. And so as we get ready to celebrate Christmas, I wanna just extend a challenge to you. Realize that there's seven billion people in this world. We may not be responsible for all seven billion, but there are people that are in your circle that we do have a responsibility towards that we come across on a daily basis or a weekly basis. So take time this week and think about who is in your life that isn't a part of a local church? Who is in your life that can come to this place and get hope and get direction and purpose and have a relationship with their creator? So South Hills, extend an invite this week. Think about someone and have them join you this weekend at one of our Christmas services. Sorry about that. We're in Christmas at South Hills, week three to be exact. Uh, just to give you, if you're wondering what's happening, if you knew you're visiting us and you brought your children uh, uh, to our morning uh, service, right now they're going upstairs to uh, South Hills Kids Church uh, where Miss Norma and her staff will, uh, has a lesson plan. They're going to have a lot of fun. They're in a safe environment. They're going to have a lot of fun. And uh, uh, at the end of our service, you can go and pick them up and bring them back to take pictures with Santa and uh, the reindeers and whatnot. And so do not fear your children are in good, good hands. Uh, once again, for those watching us online and those visiting us uh, this morning, uh, my name is Efren Peña. I'm the campus pastor here at Southfield Santa Clarita. We are one church of many campuses throughout uh, Southern California and throughout the world. And uh, we hope uh, you enjoy your time with us today. We are in, <clears throat> excuse me, week three of our series, and it has been absolutely amazing. And so I just want to jump right in. Now, everyone has a name, right? We all know, uh, we all go by a name. We were a name that we were given at birth. But we're often also called, at times, we're often called uh, something different, something that describes what we are like, something that describes what we do or who we belong to. And a few weeks back, uh, I said that people go around by, they're known by nicknames. And I said, you know, one of those nicknames is Gordo. And uh, many of you laughed uh, because you just assumed that that was my nickname. And, uh, and I don't let, the, don't let it fool you. That's not my nickname. But many of us have nicknames that we go by uh, because our friends have called us that, something that we did, something that we're known by. Um, because names are not just what we call people, but names can also describe the character or the attributes of a person. In ancient Israel, names were incredibly important, and the same is true for the name of Jesus. Jesus' name actually means God saves. God saves. 
but about 700 years before Jesus was born, right, a prophet was writing about this coming Savior. This prophet began to talk about this Savior that was to come. And while he didn't know the Son of God would be named Jesus or Emmanuel, Isaiah did have a revelation into who this Messiah would be. Isaiah 9, chapter 6 and 7 tells us, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne and his ancestor David for all eternity. And so over the last few weeks, we have been looking at these names that Isaiah called Jesus. And I think that this series will not only change the way we celebrate Christmas this year, but it will also change the way we interact with Jesus and our relationship, our personal, intimate relationship with him. In week one, we talked about the name Wonderful Counselor, the fact that Jesus came down to earth, lived here in flesh and in blood, endured some of the things that we have endured, that because he did that, he knows exactly what we go through and that he is the right person to counsel us. So wonderful counselor. And last week, we talked about the name Mighty God. What a powerful name, Mighty God. The God who heals, the God who restores, the God who gives everything that we need. And so this week, we're going to be talking about the name Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. So let me, let me start off by asking you this. Right? It's going to feel like, like, like trivia pursuit here, right? Do you know who the godfather of soul is? Anyone? James Brown. That is correct. James Brown. How about the father of rock and roll? Anyone? Anyone? Chuck Berry, you're absolutely right, Chuck Berry. How about the father of hip-hop? Anyone? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. DJ Cool Eric, all right, is from New York City, in the Bronx, where hip-hop was raised, right? How about the father of the automobile? Henry Ford, Henry Ford. How about the father of modern science? No, <laughs> not quite. Nope, Galileo. Galileo, interesting fun fact. Anybody know his last name? Galilee. So his name is Galileo Galilee. How about the father of something that you use every single day? Some of you can't even be separated from it. But the father of the cell phone. Anyone? No. Martin Cooper. And that big old phone he has right there. 
How about the father of television? For you Netflix binge watchers. Anybody? Going once? Going twice? No. Try Filio Taylor Fansworth. I, I, I was like, really? I couldn't even fit his name, his last name, in a, in a, in a straight line. In America, we have founding fathers, right? And, and of which George Washington is viewed as the foundingest of them all and called the father of this country. And so there are tons of fathers of everything out in this world. But everlasting father, everlasting father is what Isaiah called Jesus. Everlasting father may, may seem a bit confusing because we are more familiar with Jesus as the son of God, not really the father. But this is the idea of being the father of something that it ties us into, it ties it to the creator or the originator of that thing. And so when we say everlasting father, we need to understand what I'm about to share with you in just a second here. Some of you may be under the misconception that when Jesus was born is actually when he jumps on the scene. That that's when Jesus began. But that's not the full picture. Let me read you a little bit about Scripture, a little bit from Scripture that will kind of fill in the gaps and, and kind of paint an entire picture for you of who Jesus is and why he is called the everlasting father. In John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5, it says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. We jump down to verse 9 and 10. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. So based on just what we just read here, this part of scripture, I believe that it's safe to say that Jesus not only has existed since the beginning of time, it's actually through Jesus, the word, that all things were made. Listen, we tend to think of God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the three in one. We tend to see them in that form, in that fashion. We kind of separate them. But the Bible tells us that they are three in one and all in the same. But Jesus being named the everlasting father is because he is the father of eternity, the original and the source of it. This type of title is used in an opposite way in John chapter 8 where Jesus refers or says that Satan is the father of lies. It means that he is the originator, right? He is the originator or the source of lies. And thus in the same way, Jesus is the father 
of life. And so when we talk about this everlasting father, we're talking about the one who is the originator or the source of eternity, the creator of all things, which makes it even more incredible and kind of awe-inspiring that the father of eternity, the father of it all, actually stepped into our time and became a child, became a son given to us. There's a part of scripture found in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 to 20, in the message translation that it kind of just blows my mind when I kind of just let my heart gravitate and try to hold it all in. It says, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to the moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there. Excuse me, towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so expansive that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all of the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things and animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. And so if we are to grab, if we are to just grab a little bit, a small portion of this scripture and actually allow ourselves to meditate on it, then we can be assured today that that we can trust our everlasting father with our whole life. That we can actually believe and trust our everlasting Father, with our whole life because after all, after all, our whole life is in him anyway. The Bible says that he created it all, right? That when we were created in his image, he looked at us and said, it is good. In fact, later on in scripture, he actually calls us his masterpiece. In fact, later on in Scripture, he talks about how much he loves us, that he would send his son himself in the form of a child for our setbacks, for our mistakes, and actually paved the way to be with him once again in heaven. So if we can just grab onto this description of who he is, 
That he is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, that everything and anything exists because of him. Then we can actually begin to understand and trust that he has our best interest in mind. Now, we have all we've all had different father experiences. Some of us have had an amazing father, an incredible father, one that has always been present, one that has always loved, has supported, has done everything for us. Some of us have had a distant or disconnected father for many different reasons. Some of us have had a father who was very who was always displeased with us. Never happy, never found a joyous moment being with us. And then some of us have had a non-existent father, a father who was never there, couldn't be counted or trusted. In. But regardless of your experience, regardless of your, what your birth father experience has been like, it's important to be reminded every so often of who our everlasting father is. Because his attributes, his characteristics, who he is, won't change. It doesn't change. It will not change. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter where you go, you cannot change who the everlasting father is, who the everlasting father wants to be and wants to do in your life. Who he is, the way he is, and the way he wants to be in relationship with you won't change. Thus he is the everlasting father. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he's the same. That he loved you before you were even created. That he will continue to love you while you're here on earth. And his utmost desire is to continue to love you while you're in heaven with him. My relationship with my father was non-existent. In fact, one of the last kind of memories I have of my dad when I was a really young, young boy was an altercation that happened in the family. A very bad one. After that, the only memories I had of my dad was seeing him once a month for about 20 minutes. I don't have any experience of being cared for by my dad. I don't have any experience of being made to feel safe from my dad. I don't have any experience of being shown how to grow and become a man from my father. In fact, I've never played catch with my dad. I've never watched sports with my dad. I've never really actually sat down and had a meal with my dad. I was never treated to dinner or I don't recall him giving me a gift personally. For any occasion. So 
when it came to understanding who this everlasting father was. I struggled. I struggled to trust my everlasting father in those ways because I doubted that I could actually trust him because my only experience was from a dad who was non-existent. Does that make sense? And maybe today you feel like I felt and you need to be reminded of who your everlasting father is. When we talk about sports personalities or stars, we don't talk about, hey, they, they, they have these eyes or they have these things. We actually talk about the things that they accomplish, the things that they do. When I talk about Kobe Bryant, I talk about the championships and I talk about his, his, the way he approached the game and his attitude and the things, how he impacted my life. Or for anyone else that has impacted my life. Right? I talk about the characteristics. I talk about the attributes. I talk about the things how the, that they've made me feel and, and how they've helped me grow and mature and do and accomplish the things that, that, that I've been able to accomplish and become the man that I am today. So it is only fitting that in order for us to trust and believe in our everlasting Father, that we need to recognize and know the attributes and the characteristics of our everlasting Father. In Jesus, we have a Father that far surpasses all earthly fathers. And I'm not knocking the best of you out there. If you are doing what God has called you to do and being the Father that God has created you to be the Father, that is awesome. But let's call it for what it is. That Jesus is our everlasting father and he far surpasses any earthly fathers, even the best of them, because he will never leave you. That's what Hebrews 8.13 reminds us. Philippians 1 tells us that he won't give up on you. Philippians 4 tells us that he will provide for all of your needs. 2 Thessalonians says that he will protect you. 1 John says that he will listen to you. Not only listen to you, but he would hear what you have to say. And Romans 8 says that he will always, always love you. And I don't know about you, but when I think and I read these scriptures that remind me of the characteristics, right, the attributes of my everlasting father kind of just pumps me up and knowing that I'm not alone that he brings me hope that he brings me joy that he brings me peace love let me wrap it up this morning just a few minutes you'll be able to grab your kids and hug on them and Say cheese as they pay attention to the reindeer and not to the camera. As they ask Santa to give them something that won't cost this Santa a penny. And you'll be reminded of the love that you have for your children.
But before I let you go, I want to share just one more thing here. Charles Spurgeon says it this way. There is no unfathering Christ and there is no unchilding us. He is everlastingly a father to those who trust in him. In other words, you cannot take that title from him. He will always be the everlasting father. And you cannot take the title of a child off of yourself because to him, you are his children. And if we, his children, can trust him, our father, our perspective, our approach, the way we see things in life will change. Today you may have shown up at Southfield's church and your life is a hot mess. There are things that you're going through, things that you don't understand, things that don't make sense, people that you're angry with. Maybe some of you are angry at God because what you thought life would be like today at this precise moment in life is not it's not at all what you thought it would be but I want to tell you that Jesus still is your father he still is your everlasting father and maybe you're filled today you're here and you're filled with anxiety worry you don't have peace. You have doubts instead. You have fears that have, that have taken control. And, and in fact, this Christmas doesn't bring cheer upon you. I want to remind you that your everlasting Father never ceases and will never stop loving you. He will never stop bringing kindness, joy, peace, and love into your life. And sometimes the reasons we cannot see it or experience or feel this love, peace, and joy is because we haven't allowed it to come in. I heard somewhere a couple of weeks ago that through a neuroscience study that gratitude and worry, anxiety cannot exist in the brain at the same time. You either feel one or you feel the other. But you cannot feel both. Because the moment you feel one, it leaves no room for the other. You're either going to be filled with gratitude, love, joy, peace, and hope. Or you're going to feel, be filled with anxiety, worry, fear, doubt. And the reason we cannot feel the gratitude is because we are overwhelmed by the other. 
but it is a choice. It is a choice that we have to wake up every single day and say today, oh, oh no, worry and anxiety, fear and doubt, (laughs) you won't have your way today because today I choose to fill myself with gratitude, with hope, peace, love, and joy. Today, I recognize that I can trust my everlasting Father because those are His attributes. That is what He has promised me. And even if I got to wake up fighting to make sure that gratitude is at the very forefront, then I will. But it is a choice that we make. The same way I had a choice to make. Was I going to be bitter and resent the fact that my father wasn't in my life? Or what I was going to count my blessings for all of the, the people that stepped in and gave me a little bit. A little bit of hope, peace, and love. That allowed me to focus on who my everlasting father is. So this Christmas, I want to encourage you all that you can trust your everlasting Father with your whole life. Not just the little small things, the things that don't really matter as much, but with your entire life, the small as much as the big. With your jobs, with your spouses, with your children, with your in-laws, with your community, with your boyfriend, with your girlfriend, with the people that you're dating. But allow God to be the everlasting father. The one who is wonderful counselor, the one who is mighty God, the one who is everlasting father, prince of peace. Trust him. And lastly, I ask, which aspect of your everlasting father do you need to embrace today for this Christmas season? What attributes, what characteristics do you need to hold on today for your peace, for your hope, for your joy Maybe it's his presence being around you. Maybe it's the fact that he won't give up on you. Maybe it's because he is your provider. Maybe it's his protection over you and your family. Maybe it's the fact that he listens to you or that he will always love you. That's who God is. That's who our everlasting Father is. And if you're here today and then you are not quite sure about this everlasting, you've never really heard about this everlasting Father before in the manner that it was expressed today. I would love to give you the opportunity to connect. I would love to to connect you with Jesus, our everlasting Father. 
This Christmas, we celebrate not Santa, the reindeers, the hot chocolate, the gifts, the trees, the decorations, or all of the incredible food that we're all going to eat in just a few days. But we celebrate Jesus because it's his birthday. We celebrate Jesus because it was his birth, the birth of our wonderful counselor, the birth of our mighty God, the birth of our everlasting father, the birth of our prince of peace. That is why we celebrate. That is the reason we celebrate Christmas. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never given your heart, surrendered your life to Jesus, you're sitting in your chair today saying, man, I I need to know more. I don't know everything about Jesus, but I want to know more. I would love the opportunity to connect you with Jesus. So before you leave here today, before you run and grab your kids, before you run to do any of the extra activities that we have here today, if that is your heart, to connect yourself with Jesus. I would love to talk with you. Two minutes, just two minutes. Because it's that important to me. It's that important to us here at South Hills. And it's, it will be that important to you and your family and what happens next. Be encouraged. Know that your everlasting Father is here for you always. Amen.